Well, good morning. How are you doing? All right. You guys sound excited, ready, anticipating. Who's expecting some great things today? Yeah. Listen, if you don't bring any expectation to the word of God, don't expect much. So today I'm here with an assignment. My assignment today is to give you not my opinion, not my perspective. My assignment today is to give you the word of God. Hear clearly. Do not leave here saying pastor said. That's not what this is about. This is about considering the truth that God's word reveals. And today we're going to be starting a new series that is crucially important for all of us. We're starting a series entitled Above the Clouds. And what we're going to be talking about is life in the kingdom of God. Life in the kingdom of God. See, most people can easily identify with the notion that we're children of God. I believe that. I believe that God is a father and that I'm his child. But the truth is that many people stop short of understanding the kingdom's ways. The kingdom's ways. I want you to begin to think about that. We're talking about a new way of life. We're talking about a new mindset. We're talking about a new purpose. A new direction. We're talking about new things. The Bible says that all things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. New. And this newness is discovered in the kingdom of God. You don't have to take my word for it. I'm going to point you to the word today. But you see... Whether you know this or not, God never intended for anyone to live at a level less than his best. He never intended that. We're going to look to scripture on this. And I believe that even right now, some of you are leaning in and you're listening. And you're saying, wait, what what is this? I've never understood this. I, I, I dare say this, that God is speaking directly to you right now. And I just want to say this to you, there's a better way. There's a better way. There's a better way than what you've gotten used to. There's a better way than what you've been conditioned to. There's a better way than the religion that you've known. There's a better way than the standards that you've set or people have set for you. There's a better way than the stigma that people have placed upon you. There's a better way and it's found in the kingdom. But if we don't come to understand and know the reality of God and his kingdom and its ways, ladies and gentlemen, we will struggle and stumble through life. Matthew 16, verse 19, Jesus says this, I've given you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. You know what he's saying there? Whatever you do according to the kingdom's ways on earth, that'll be sealed in heaven. That'll be done in heaven. And then he says, and whatever you loose, whatever you release, whatever you do on this earth in alignment with the kingdom of God, He says, we'll be loosed in heaven. I want you to begin to see what the word of God is revealing to you and I. That what happens in heaven is meant to take place on earth. That God's intention is that you and I would live in such a manner that reflects his nature. His purposes. His will, his goodness for your life and mine. You got to be very careful that for those of you that know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and maybe if you don't, I want you to hear this too. We got to be very careful that we don't just make this exclusive and we say, yeah, yeah, this is about me. I'm blessed. I'm prospered. God loves me. Yes, no, what you need to understand is that God loves the entire world. That God's intention is for the entire world to know His kingdom and its system, His ways. And so as I said, God wants heaven on earth. Oh, I know some of us, we're waiting for the sweet by and by. I got news for you. Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is now. And Jesus came announcing this new kingdom and revealing it. And so according to Matthew 16, 19, I want you to see this, that yes, 
What happens in heaven is supposed to be reflected in your life here on earth and through your life. There's a reason why the Bible says that you are the light of the world, that you are the salt of the earth. There's a reason why the Bible says that you are an ambassador of Christ. There's a reason why the Bible reveals that you are the difference maker here on this earth because you are the vehicle by which God reveals His goodness, His love, His provision, His power, His truth, and the peace that He's established in Christ. But notice that Jesus says, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. The doorway to your life and mine is before you. And the key to it lies in the kingdom of God. Let me just simplify that statement. Understanding the ways of God. Understanding what his kingdom dictates. In Luke 12, 32, Jesus again speaking says this, Do not be afraid, little flock. Watch this. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom of God. God is pleased to give you the kingdom. He's given it. It brings pleasure to God when we understand His goodness, when we understand His ways, when we understand His plan, when we see according to His purposes, when His truth has root in our heart and it begins to produce good and great and precious things according to His promises. Jesus was here speaking to a people that were plagued with the worries of life. My children, what the preacher says, what religion dictates, what society says, what my rulers say, because they were under the dominion of an empire called Rome. The hardships of life, the challenges of life, and all these things, they were plagued by all these things. And you might say, well, yeah, that's them. No, 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 no. Let's be real. That can be us too. We get caught up in the rat race of life and, and money, 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 money. I can't hit that note. Sorry. I was going to try for a minute, but that wasn't going to work. But my point is this. Look, we get caught in the rat race of life, money, uh, kids, uh, my career, my, the accolades, the, the affection, the attention that I get of people, uh, my status in life, or, or the, the things that I accumulate, the material and this and that and all those things, ladies and gentlemen. Those are things that we've been conditioned to believe that we need. And, but hear me closely. Listen. Listen, because you do, you do need an income, ladies and gentlemen. The Bible says the man that doesn't work shouldn't eat. Scripture says that. So you do need an income. Right? You do need to thrive in your relationship. But understand this. When we learn to depend upon those things to define who we are, there's a problem. Because at that point, our dependence has shifted from God to self. And that's what this world's system is all about. Me, my four, no more. Me, 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 me. Got to do me. Got to get mines. But Jesus says, he tells them and he tells us, don't be moved by these issues of life. Don't worry. Don't worry about those things. See, God is pleased to have given you the kingdom of God. The question is, have you discovered his ways? Do you understand the plan of God? Do you know God personally? Not through a preacher. Not through a place that we congregate in. Not through religious monotony and, and rituals. That's not, that's not a relationship, ladies and gentlemen. That's me doing for God, hoping that God will do for me. That's, that's a business transaction. That's pay for play. It doesn't work. But I want you to hear something. In Acts chapter 1, verse 3, it recounts a very powerful moment. Jesus was crucified. But according to what he declared would happen, because God fulfills his word, that through Christ he would pay a penalty for all mankind. Jesus would die the death that was ours to die. And he would rise again in victory. Thereby entrusting us and equipping us and empowering us by his victory. That we would be right with God. And that we could live life according to God's ways. And so Acts chapter 1 verse 3 says. After his suffering. In other words after his death. He presented himself to them and he gave many convincing proofs. 
that he was alive. Basically, he just went around and showed people, look, I really am back. I really did rise from the dead. I really did mean when I said, but watch what Jesus did. It says he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about what? The kingdom of God. You know, relationship with God today has been reduced to so many different things. It's been reduced to doctrines. It's been reduced to, you know what, you're a sinner and you're a sinner and you're a sinner when the Bible declares that you're a saint. When the Bible declares that you are righteous, that you are holy, that you're accepted, that you're above reproach, that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing's wrong with you. Don't buy that lie. Nothing's wrong with you. You may not have caught up here in your understanding that you are all that God says you are in Christ. And so oftentimes this message of the gospel is boxed in and, and reduced to the idea of it's all about sin, sin, sin. It's all about holiness, holiness, holiness. It's all about your behavior modification. It's all about you changing this or you doing that or you confessing that or you declaring that. It's all about just God's grace, God's grace, God's grace, God's grace, God's grace. And I love you and you love me and, and I'm in God's happy family and I'm just blessed, blessed, blessed and righteous, righteous, righteous. And honestly, that's just regurgitation. That's just regurgitating words. I want you to see that Jesus did not... And I'm not saying that those things are inaccurate. No, God did address sin by Christ. We are saved by God's grace. We have been made righteous. We are holy and therefore we should walk in line with that. All those things are true, but listen closely. While there's... Truth in all those things, the gospel is about so much more because it doesn't, it doesn't just address the sin issue. It doesn't just address and teach us that God did his very best by his grace. It doesn't just address the issue of righteousness and identity and blessing and provision. It addresses all those things. But I want you to notice that upon his resurrection, the very first thing that Jesus began to teach was not sin. It was not holiness. It was not get your life together and get right. It wasn't grace, grace, grace this, grace that, grace this, grace that. No, it was the kingdom of God. I didn't say that. The word says that. Let me tell you why Jesus did that. See, through Christ. We have received forgiveness of sin. Through Christ, we, have embra- we, we now exist under the grace of God. Through Christ, we have been made righteous. Through Christ, we are renewed and transformed. But it's through God's kingdom system that we learn to live by it. Understanding the kingdom's ways equips us and empowers us to live by God's grace. To finally get past this issue of sin and just accept that you've been made righteous in Christ. To accept that you are all that God says and to begin to see yourself according to your new identity. To look past your hiccups, your mess ups, your hang ups. And to see what God sees. The kingdom of God, understanding his ways empowers us to do that. And so as we get started here today, it's important that we understand that God never intended for us, for anyone, to know any other kingdom and its system but his own. So if we're going to talk about the kingdom of God, and let me just encourage you with something. And this is not a ploy nor a plea to increase numbers here. Anybody that's been here for a while, you know, you know one thing about Pastor Jose is this. I'm not here trying to grow a congregation. We're teaching the word. That's it. You want to be here? Praise God. You don't want to be here? Praise God. God bless you. We love you. We pray that you land where God wants you to be. But we're committed to teach simply the word. 
Not here for gimmicks, not here for shows, not here to impress you. Giving you the word. That's it. And so if we're going to talk about the kingdom of God, then I think it's, it's a good place to start by looking at Jesus as our example. Would you agree? So let's go to Luke chapter 4. And we're going to start at verse 1. I'm going to jump right into this because there's a lot that I want to cover. And, and I'm going to try and be respectful of your time. And, uh, but but I've got to give you this. I've got to deliver this word to you. Verse 1, Luke chapter 4, he says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Just means a dry place, a desert place, a foreign place. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, Tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. Verse 5, The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It's been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. He said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully, for they will lift you up in their, in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. From the gate, I want you to just begin to see that what we see here is the tale of two kingdoms at odds. Now, if you're like me, and you you just ask questions, there's nothing wrong with questioning what the word says. Questioning for the purpose of understanding. You should have probably asked yourself this question. Maybe you did at the very beginning where it says that Jesus was led by the Spirit to be tempted for 40 days. That used to drive me nuts. Why would God do that to Jesus? What's that all about? But when you start really studying the ministry of Jesus, you got to understand something that at this juncture, this very point that we're reading about, Jesus has not yet started his earthly ministry. So while being on earth and being the son of God, he hasn't gotten out the gate yet. But in order to do so, he had to address an issue. He had to establish his authority, the authority of the kingdom of God on earth. So here's Satan is saying, come on, Jesus, come on, JJ. You know you're hungry. Go ahead and take that rock and turn it into a piece of bread. Feed yourself. And Jesus says, no. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so what we see here is two kingdoms at work. The first kingdom completely depends upon God and God's word. The second kingdom is a kingdom that leads us and encourages us to depend upon ourselves. Make some bread for yourself. Acquire for yourself that you would be worshipped amongst people. Do it for you. And, and what I love about Jesus' response at every juncture of this interaction with Satan is this, that Satan comes with a lie. And that lie is intended for one purpose, to detract him and distract him from following the system of the kingdom of God. Total dependence upon God. 
total confidence in God. And what we see here is this, that because Jesus understood the ways of the kingdom, those lies had no effect on his life. They could not stop what God intended. I want to encourage you today as we get started here, don't buy the lie. Don't buy the lie. That's what we're talking about today. Don't buy the lie that in any area of your life, you can do it independent of God. Don't buy the lie that your way is better than God's way. Don't buy the lie of this world's system, of this world's manners. Don't buy the lie of the market. Don't buy the lie of the opinions of people. Don't buy the lie of experts because guess what? I can tell you about experts. Experts might be experts according to the knowledge that they have, but experts can be wrong. And so we have to consider why Jesus came to establish the kingdom of God. And I want you to look back at Luke chapter 4, verse 6. Let's put that up real quick and watch. This is Satan speaking. It says that he said to Jesus, I will give you all their authority. So let's back up. Here's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is standing up there, the highest point with Satan. And Satan says, hey, look at all the kingdoms of the earth. Look at all their splendor. Look at all their glory. Look at all that they promise and they present. He says, I'll give you all this if you just worship me. He says, I'll give you all their authority and splendor. But watch why he says that. It has been given to me. Question. Who gave it to him? And I can give it to anyone that I want, he says. God didn't give it to him. Thus, we begin to understand now why Jesus had to return. Jesus came to reestablish the kingdom of God and to empower his people with the keys to the kingdom so that they would operate in truth and power and in authority and that they would reflect the very nature of God and God's plan on earth. Listen, I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you do. I don't care what you will do. As a child of God, you are a vessel to convey the power and the truth of this kingdom. So stop looking at yourself based upon where you've been, what you do, what your shortcomings are, because God has chosen you and he's given you the keys to the kingdom. Get past your excuses. Genesis chapter 1, we don't have time to get into that, but Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, I believe it is, says that uh, when God created man, he said, let us create them in our image and in our likeness. That just simply means they're going to be just like me. They're going to walk like me. They're going to think like me. They're going to act like me. They're going to be authorized to do just like me here on earth. And then it goes on to say in Genesis 1, 26, you should be writing that scripture down if you're taking notes. It says that he gave mankind dominion to rule and to reign here on earth. In other words, just do it the same way I do it. Heaven on earth. But Genesis chapter 3 gives us the tragic account of how mankind gave that up. Genesis 3 starting at verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say... You must not eat from any tree in the garden. You notice what he's doing? He's bringing into question the truth by which God has established life in the garden. So he goes on to say, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say... You must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. Listen closely to Satan. You will not certainly die. Verse 5. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. Listen closely. And you will be 
like God, knowing good and evil. Wait, stop. Genesis chapter 1, God creates mankind and he says, we're going to create them and they're going to be in our image and in our likeness. But Satan brings into question what God has already established. You're already like God. You're already authorized. This is what it was always intended to be. Some of us might go, well, I'm certainly not like God. Let me ask you a question. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If your answer to that is yes, then the scripture declares that as he is, so are you in this world. The scripture declares that you have been made, he who's joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. The scripture declares that you are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So if you're somehow believing I'm not like God, you've been buying a lie. Because Christ came to redeem and institute once again what man gave up, the kingdom. And our identity in the kingdom. See, you have the kingdom of God. It's already at hand. It's within your grasp to possess. But we have to know God. We have to understand God. Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 through 14 says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you, watch this, with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So you see that God wants you to know something, something that his Spirit reveals, that Spirit that now lives in you, that quickens your mortal body, that leads you to all truth and shows you things to come, that Spirit. Verse 10, it says, so that you may live Worthy of the Lord. You know what that's literally saying in the original language? So that you could live like God. I didn't say that you could be God. I didn't say that. That's not what I said. There's only one God. It's not you and I. But in his image, in his likeness, that's God's desire. It says, and please him in every day, in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. And watch what happens as we know Christ, as we know God, as we know his ways. Verse 11 says that we are strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father, watch this, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. God's desire is that you and I would walk as kingdom kids wherever we go and that you would bring the authority, the power, the backing, the truth, the message of a kingdom of God who loves people and gave his very best when none of us deserved it. Freely. Without conditions. And so in verse 13, it says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. Verse 14, In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Notice that the Bible says in verse 13 that we've been rescued from the dominion, from the captivity, from the stronghold, from the power of a kingdom and its system that we once knew. And so here's the lie that we buy many times. We buy this lie that we've got to work our way up to someday reaching a certain plateau in identity and in status with God. When the reality is that you are everything that God says right now. Religion teaches us to achieve and strive to be someone in the kingdom of God, to be someone in the eyes of God. Religion does that. 
Religion leads us to pomp. To, to, to parade our righteousness and our holiness. Not in the kingdom system. No. We'll learn about that in a couple of weeks. But I want you to see that the scripture says that we've been rescued from the dominion of darkness. And that's important because here's the truth that we need to see in that. That we were in danger apart from God. And God saw fit in Christ to rescue humanity. I know that this is pretty thick, a lot to grasp and chew. So I encourage you, go back to our website, ctbny.com. Go listen to the podcast. If you, got the, if, you got your, your, if you downloaded the app, look at the notes. I told you in the beginning, don't leave here trusting what I said. No, you go back and you study the word. And you see what God says. You, you do that. Be diligent to show yourself a workman approved who rightly divides the word of truth. Go back to the word for yourself. Not playing Christian semantics here. Not, not playing spiritual hula hoops here. I'm teaching you the word. But at the end of the day, you and I are responsible to do something with this word from God. To know it intimately, personally. And so, in the words of Jesus, I simply want to say this to you from Matthew 6.31-33. through 33. Jesus says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Watch this. For the pagans run after all these things. You know what he's saying? That's the system of an unbeliever. I got to hustle and bustle to get it. I got to make it happen. I got to figure this out for myself. You know what Jesus says? Don't do it according to that system. Don't do it according to self-reliance. He says, for the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. These things. These things. Those, those, these things. Oh, but you don't understand what I'm going through with my kids. These things. You don't understand. I'm, I'm trying to make it in life. I'm, I'm stuck in the muck, man. I'm struggling, man. I got to make a dollar today. These things. I'm worried about what people are saying about me, man. You don't understand what they've done to me. You don't understand how they've hurt me. These things. All these things. He says, don't worry about any of that. Watch why. He says... When you seek me first, when you put God first place, everything else falls in place in life. Everything else. Isn't that interesting? I don't know, maybe you've been there. I know I have at one point in my life where it was all about money. Money, 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 money. I got to make that money. Don't talk to me about anything else but money. Been there. Did it the wrong way. In many ways, I was wrong how I did it. The money, 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 money. And the more money I got, guess what? The more I wanted. You know why? Because when our heart's orientation is to satisfy self, it will never be enough. It won't. A life independent and void of God and his kingdom will never fulfill you and I. And you know what? Whether you believe in God or not not today, Here's what I know, that each and every one of us can identify with that. We set a goal, I'm gonna, I got to get to this place in life, and we get there, and then it's like, this ain't enough. I want more. You can have everything that you see on the other side of the grass, and yet it's not green enough on your side. We want more. That's the system outside of the kingdom. Me, my four, and no more. What I want. All about me. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, we read this, these words. It says, we are therefore Christ's 
ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. In other words, get back to the ways of God. But I want to point your attention to the beginning of this verse. It says that you're therefore Christ's ambassadors. See, you are now an ambassador of the kingdom of God. That might not mean much at surface level, but let's break this down for a moment as we're wrapping up here today. Ambassadors, in my opinion, are some of the coolest people. Tell you why. An ambassador, wherever he goes and wherever he steps, he brings the authority and the protection of the nation or kingdom that he represents. Some of you are beginning to think about this. God says that you and I are now ambassadors of Christ. That we have been delegated the same authority, the same anointing, the same calling, the same backing of the kingdom of God, which Christ said, I now give you the keys. Somebody here needs to hear this today. You've been settling. You've been buying a lie for a long, long, long time. You've been striving and, and, and trying to somehow thrive in life. And you seem to keep coming short. And you're frustrated. And you're questioning God. And you're mad at people. And you're, and you're mad at what people did to you. And what people said. And the mistakes. And you're living. If, if I would have. If I should have. If I could have. God says. I've given you the keys. I love you. And maybe you thought that you had to do it for me in order to somehow move heaven to do something for you. You've been deceived, son. You've been deceived, daughter. You've bought a lie. But today I announce to you freedom. Freedom. And I've given you the keys to unlock the door that you yourself have kept yourself behind because you bought the lie of the deceiver. No more. No more. I said no more. No more. No more. Don't buy the lie, ladies and gentlemen. Do not buy the lie. You are a child of a king. You are royalty. You are a royal priesthood, a chosen people, a holy nation. For some of us, our filter, even right now, does not allow us to hear or receive this. He's one of those prosperity preachers. Well, let me tell you what the word says in light of what you just said. The word of God says that God desires that you and I would prosper in all things. That God wants you to live in the kingdom system in all areas of your life. See, you've settled for you in your relationships. You've settled according to the rat race that you've been told you got to run in life to make it. You've bought the lie. And what you fail to realize is the truths revealed in the kingdom of God. You know, God says, that's not my way. Who told you that that's how I do things? I'm just waiting on God. Well, you'll be waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. 
Because God is already giving you everything that pertains to life and godliness. God has already blessed you with every spiritual blessing. I didn't say that. God says that. So instead of compromising who you are and compromising the kingdom of God that you now belong to, I want to encourage you, live in the kingdom. Wield its authority. I can't leave you without making this point. The Bible says, we learned about this a couple of months ago in a series that we were in, that wherever you set your feet, Wherever you set your feet, it's yours. You're meant to take dominion. You're meant to be the head and not the tail, the scripture says. Above only, never beneath. Never beneath. Scripture says that. What's really cool about ambassadors? The embassy they live in. I'll give you an example. The emb- Japan's embassy is here in the United States. But do you know that the land upon which that building sits upon is property of Japan while in this country? That means that no president, no delegate, no diplomat, no one can step there and impose their way and their rules and their laws because in that land where that ambassador is, it represents the full authority and weight Of the kingdom that he represents. I'm telling you. That you need to begin to see. Where your location is. And you need to live. From the kingdom and it's system. You need to understand. That wherever you go. Heaven is available. And God's promises are true for you. There. So as we're wrapping up here. I'm reminded of a quick story this guy that was in a land called Bethsaida for some of us you've heard this story man you could quote it you're a veteran you're a, you're a bible general you know this stuff heard this been there done that heard you talk about it at one point pastor Jose well my prayer for you is that today you would hear the kingdom and its principles in this. Jesus shows up. He's passing by this area called Bethsaida in Mark chapter 8. And as he's passing by, some people bring him this blind man who was from this city, this village called Bethsaida. They bring him to Jesus. They say, could you do something for him to heal him? The Bible says that Jesus... Extends his hand. And when he extends his hand. He takes this man by the hand. And he leads him out of this city. Called Bethsaida. Question is why? Bethsaida. Was a region. Characterized and known. By one distinct thing. It was a place of great unbelief. In the scriptures, another portion of the gospels, Jesus is recorded as saying, Woe unto you, Bethsaida. Woe unto you, Chorazin. For if the miracles that were performed before you had been performed in front of Sodom and Gomorrah, they'd have accepted the truth. So this place was anti-God. Anti-kingdom. They could receive nothing and had no space or place for anything that had to do with the message that Jesus brought and who he was. What I find interesting is that Jesus shows up with the intention of giving this man sight. But you see, for him to receive sight, Jesus had to take him out of the very system that he had been conditioned to. Unbelief. Unbelief. 
He had to take him out of everything that he knew and believed and understood life was about. So the Bible says that Jesus takes him out of this place. He prays for him. Spits on his eyes, actually. Put some spit on his eyes. You're going, ooh. I don't have really much time to get into that, but spit in those days, when you spit at someone, what it, what, what, when you spit at someone, what it, what, what it symbolized was that you were cursing them. So I want you to think about what Jesus is cursing when he spits in his eyes. He's cursing the blindness. Saying, this isn't my way. This isn't the system by which this kingdom operates. So Jesus spits in his eyes, tells the guy, open your eyes. He says, what do you see? He says, oh, I see trees and men that look like trees. And Jesus goes, no, 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 no. So he spits, prays for him again. Guy opens his eyes, he sees. But then Jesus says to him, don't ever go back to that village. Don't ever go back to Bethsaida. Why? I'm going to tell you why. See, if you're going to live and thrive in the kingdom of God, you have to cut off your dependence upon this world's system. And this man was depending upon everything that he knew. What you might not know is that in those days, blind people were relegated to the lowest part of the totem pole in life. Their role in life was to beg. To look to other people, to lead them and to guide them, to show them the way to go. Jesus comes and he says, I got a new way. My way. Take my hand. See, if you're going to live and thrive in the kingdom of God, you got to understand that unless you cut the root of unbelief, you cannot see the power of God's kingdom in operation. It can't operate. Cannot operate. It will not work. You could quote it, you could claim it, you could blab it till you try and grab it. Not going to work. You got to cut off that root. If you're going to live and thrive in the kingdom of God, listen, you have to take the hand of Jesus. And Jesus extending his hand to him, he's saying to him, follow me. You depending on, you've been depending upon people to show you what life is. No, take my hand and let me address the real issue. Not your physical blindness, the blindness of your heart. And let me lead you and guide you and show you a better way. And listen, if you're going to live and thrive in the kingdom of God, don't go back to the lie. I pray that your ears are open today. That you hear what God says through his word. I didn't give you that lie. That's not what life is about. That's not what relationship with me is about. No. Let me show you a better way. Jesus said, don't even go back to that village. Hey. Don't go back to that place where you thought you could make it on your own. Don't go back to relationships where people encourage you to walk away from the kingdom of God. Don't go back to those circles where people belittle you. Shout you down, shoot you down. Because you've chosen to follow Christ. Don't go back there. And don't go back to everything you learned before God. Because here's what you and I know on this side of the fence. It never worked. And so why buy the lie and somehow believe that we can make something that never worked work now? Let's stand here today. In Luke chapter 9, recounts a time where Jesus is amongst a bunch of people. He says to this one, the guy, follow me. The guy says, Jesus, I'll follow you. I'll go wherever you go. He says, but first, first, 
Let me go bury my dad who just died. Jesus says to him, let the dead bury their own dead. You follow the of God. Another guy goes, hey, Jesus, I'll follow you. But first, let me go say goodbye to my family, my loved ones, and my friends. I want you to hear what Jesus Christ says about the kingdom of God in response to their reply to an invitation to something greater. It says, Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now, I want you to think about plows because they're very important tools. Plows are meant for the purpose of breaking ground to prepare the ground for seed that's going to be sown with the intention of reaping a harvest. So I want you to think about what Jesus is actually saying here. He's saying, hey, he who starts by taking a hold of the kingdom and believes that God has greater, that God's ways are better, that God is leading and guiding you to so much more than anything you've ever known life to be. He who believes that, but while you believe that somehow you buy the line, you look back and you go, yeah, but, but that worked too. You know that word fit there means? It means to be well placed. It means to find your place in the kingdom. He says, he who puts his hands to the plow in expectation of a great harvest, of everything that I promised in the kingdom, and yet looks back, and by looking back, you look away from the kingdom. He says, you'll never find your place in the kingdom while it's already yours. Father, today, we come to you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, we embrace, we receive, we rejoice. We look to this great message that you declare that the kingdom of God is at hand right now. That you've given us the keys to the kingdom. We are not less than what, we're not worthy of less than what the kingdom promises. Lord, you desire for us to possess the kingdom, to enjoy the kingdom, to walk with you and be a light unto the world and be the difference makers, to be an example that highlights all that you are, God. We thank you today because we know it's the truth. It's the truth that sets us free.